Time of departure is midnight tonight. I trust that will suit you. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. Um, that that intro cut off abruptly, but that's okay. We're here. We're live. So so deal with that. Uh, I am here. I am Paul. That's Kevin. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, he was surprised by the sudden cut off of the music too. But we'll we'll you know we'll fix it in post. We'll yeah, fix it in I post. Almost uh, almost spit out my beer. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it live. No. Uh, so uh, as you can see, episode three, we haven't got everything figured out yet, but we will. I promise you. So. Um, Good to be back. Uh, like I'm excited. We, it's been it's been a little while for us since we've been doing this. Like we had like a couple weeks off. So yeah, um, even though we uh, released an episode last week, yeah, through uh, the magics of time and yeah. manipulation, <laughs> um, uh, it's that time element, you know. <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep on a couch and had a dream that I kept recording two episodes over and over again, and then somehow I ended up getting shot by uh, Japanese warplanes. It was really really weird. Um, <laughs> got it. Interesting episode this time around um episode two of the twilight zone one for the angels um yep. air date aired. Uh, yeah go ahead sorry yeah aired uh october 9th 1959 um directed by robert Parrish, who uh also directed uh casino royale from 1967 that's the is, funny uh, one not the not the yeah the, and not the not the recent one with daniel craig but the uh um i can't remember who's in that peter sellers uh one of my favorites so which if you're going to have a funny spy you get peter sellers yeah Yeah, for sure um yeah it looks like he did uh two other episodes of the twilight zone too so his name will come back up at some point yeah and this episode is written by that guy rod serling i whatever he went on to do yeah i don't know who that is (laughs) (laughs) um I just uh, just a brief because I like I like giving some context to the air date. Um, uh, one of the like I, I googled this date and one of the first things that popped up was uh, this day in history. The first call phone call between an automobile and an airplane took place. So oh, wow, that's just, I don't know. It's just kind of those one of the weird things that like I didn't even think that was something that you could do back then. And then, but, but the fact that it happened then, and it's something we take for granted that you can have a lot of just like conversations mid, you know, mid transportation. Um, I thought that was odd. Um, number one song, um, is Mac the Knife by Bobby Darren. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually wrote that down as well. Uh, and then, uh, number one film is Pillow Talk, which had uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day, and Tony Randall, which I thought was funny. That's romantic comedy. And both Rock Hudson and Tony Randall were kind of, vying for doris day which i mean like later on you're like wait that doesn't make sense you know <laughs> and uh rock hudson was in episode one 
um, his name was on the movie poster. That's true. Last episode, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, and I thought that like I was I watched their trailer for party for Pillow Talk, not Party Talk. Uh, just because I thought it would be interesting to kind of see what it was about. And the whole big thing was there was a miscommunication because the the people had a party line. I don't know if you know what a party line is. It's where like the, the, you have one phone that goes between multiple parties, and they all have like a different number of rings to pick oh, up okay so like the whole thing is i guess uh rock hudson and doris day would pick up like at the wrong times and just have like these fights and like these little spats and then he kind of started falling for her and then he had to pretend to be somebody else you know like your typical zany romantic comedy type thing um, yeah but i thought it was funny that there's a romantic comedy then based upon the troubles of technology which that seems a lot more prevalent today than <laughs> than then but anyway that's neither here nor there i thought that was interesting yeah um, so, so yes, one for the angels. Did, did we want to uh, get into the actors or the 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 show itself? Like, where did you want to start with this? Yeah, we can jump into the actors. There's uh, basically only two people worth talking about in this. Um, uh, Lou Bookman, who is played by Ed Wynn. Um, he was a Mary Poppins. He was the voice for the Mad Hatter in uh, Alice in Wonderland. And the whole time I was watching this episode, I'm like, man, he sounds familiar. Why do I know him? Why do I know him? I found out he was the Mad Hatter. I'm like, that's that's why I know him. Yeah, um, which I, I didn't know that either until I was watching it with with uh, my girlfriend the other day, and uh, she's like, yeah, I know him from all the Disney stuff. And I'm like, that can't be right. Cause, but then I looked it up, and I was like, she was completely right. So I owe her a big apology for all that. Yeah, he was a big uh, Disney actor. I mean, he was in like the Wonderful World of Walt Disney or whatever whatever that series was that mm-hmm. they did, um, Babes in Toyland, like a bunch of kids' movies. And... Uh, but Mad Hatter was the reason I knew him. Well, and, and I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Like, there's been everybody else has been influenced by him. Uh, yeah, like the voice of Wally Gator was an homage to him. I didn't realize that. Like the cartoon Wally Gator, and then yeah. also, did you see? Did you see Wreck It Ralph or no? No, I haven't seen that yet. Okay, so check this out real quick. I'm gonna, like, here is um, here's the guy. Uh, here he is from the episode talking to the children. Um, where did I put it at? Uh oh, here. Oh, here, here. I've done candy. And he's like, here, here. Have some candy. And then here is Alan Tudyk playing King Candy from Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> have some candy. Just like identical. <laughs> like he is very much just like I am. You know, that's that's what I'm doing is just being that guy. So I thought that was pretty crazy. That everything kind of yeah. goes back to Edwin. That, that's interesting. Um, and it looks like he was in one other episode of The Twilight Zone. So he'll pop up again um and then death in the episode is played by murray hamilton who uh i know mostly from amityville horror yeah jaws i wrote that and down jaws too. he was the mayor in jaws and he's yeah. like it's okay to put people on the beach it's fine we need we, we need this our car our town needs this and yeah if, and he played uh father ryan in amityville horror as well yeah so, i mean he has he has a good look he has he has a really cool voice like i there's just there's nothing that like like we'll never have a cool voice like that because we know the dangers of cigarettes you know like yeah. that's that's really <laughs> that's really what goes on there so yeah um, um he was not in any other twilight zone episodes it looks like he was in a night gallery episode and uh Alfred Hitchcock presents, if I'm not mistaken, but no other Twilight Zone, which was kind of surprising because he had the look and, like you said, the sound that I I figured he was going to be in like 10 other episodes when I looked him up. He reminded me very much of Rod Serling. 
Like and yeah, I, 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 well, I saved that in my notes till later. But his like with the with the black suit and the tie and the way yeah, he kept first talking about everything. I thought it was Rod Serling. <laughs> yeah, and like the whole thing too. Like, and this is going to get to the greater theme of the episode. He laid out exactly what was going to happen, and there was a plan. And it felt almost like a surrogate for Rod Serling, where it's like he's the narrator. You have to go along with the story no matter what. And it felt very, it felt very meta before meta was a thing, you know. Like I don't, I don't know. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, the only other actress uh, I can bring up is Dana Dillaway played Maggie, the little girl in the episode, but she wasn't really in anything else. A few TV series back then, and uh, there wasn't really anyone else in the movie in this episode. No, there wasn't. But the, yeah. the one thing else I wanted to mention too: two things about Edwin, and then also Mister Death. Um, sure. How Edwin showed up to uh, to be a part of the Twilight Zone is that he did a um, a play of a Rod Sterling script called Requiem for a Heavyweight that was part of the Desilu Playhouse. So ah. they, they did this play. They did it live. Um, he was ma- mainly a vaudeville guy that went into radio, and then um, people convinced him to do dramatic acting. And so the whole thing, he ended up he, in this. <laughs> and, and he actually he killed it. And then Sterling was like, I would like you to. He wrote this episode f- to get him involved. So he really liked his kind of like the way he kind of just would talk. And his um, his whole I don't know, he has a very charming personality, and he and Sterling wrote this episode specifically for him. Yeah, uh, so he came from uh, vaudeville. <laughs> no surprise. No there. surprise, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there's a weird vaudeville delivery of just like everything you say is the funniest thing ever because you have to talk to a live audience. And yeah, it was really it was very John Lovitz before John Lovitz. It was very uh, very weird. Um, <laughs> That's a good call. And then also to uh, Mr. Death also played Mr. Robinson in The Graduate, which I thought uh, was interesting. Oh yeah, and he played Blanche Dubois' father in an episode of The Golden Girls. So there you go. Oh. You know, a show all about imminent death. Blanche's father was you know was played by Mr. Death. Anyway, <laughs> I must. I don't know how I missed The Graduate. I love that movie. I, I think I was just too caught up with Jaws. <laughs> no, The Graduate's just like I don't. Is he, he's not the one that pulls him aside and says plastics. I don't think that's him. I think that's somebody else, right? Like he talks to. I, it's it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, um, that's a good movie. I don't, I don't think that's him. Okay, so but yeah, that, that's basically the two guys in, in the episode. It is. Um, uh, I I don't know how to set up. I, we do have uh, we do have Rod Sterling's intro, which I feel is important to let him tell what the episode's going to be about, and then we can yeah. Take why don't it we play further. that, and then uh, we'll get into the plot of the episode. Street scene, summer, the present. Man on the sidewalk named Lou Bookman, age sixty-ish, occupation pitchman. Lou Bookman, a fixture of the summer, a rather minor component to a hot July. A nondescript, commonplace little man whose life is a treadmill built out of sidewalks. But in just a moment, Lou Bookman will have to concern himself with survival. Because as of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mr. Death. And for as long as the show goes on, as long as we do it, I'm going to always have the Mr. Death noise. 
I could not help but laugh. And I have a feeling that that was the point, right? Because this was a very lighthearted episode. Ultimately, it was lighthearted. Um, yeah, pretty charming. The fact that like Mr. Death just turns and looks at the camera and you hear that. It's like, all right, I know what kind of show we're in for this time around. Um, and I just I started laughing. And I'm sure that was the intent, but I was tickled that that was how it was like very light, lighthearted. Here's a guy selling stuff on a street corner. And now there's death. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and Death is kind of kind of a dick too. By the way, we'll get to that in a second as well. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a pretty simple episode. I was pretty surprised. I kept waiting for like a major twist to happen, and uh, it really doesn't. Is it? Yeah, felt really different. I and I should say I've never seen this episode before. Neither have I. Um, as soon as it started, you know, like. Half the times I don't remember the titles of the episode, so I go into it just like, well, let's see. Maybe I'll remember this. Maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had never seen this one, so I, I kept waiting for a bigger and bigger twist, and it really never happened. That's true. Like, I feel like we're a little bit more cynical, that we feel like there would be like almost a darker like just a darker ending at the very, very end. But the whole, the whole notion, here's a guy, he, I get the feeling like just cause some of the context clues they gave you as you went along with uh, Mr. Bookman, um, you get the idea like, Oh, also here, random fact. I forgot to throw this out here real quick. He turned down the wizard in wizard of Oz, by the way, it was before. Oh. Yeah. He would have been an interesting wizard, but anyway, yeah. um, especially the whole, like, don't look, look behind the curtain. Like I think that would have been the epitome of this guy. True too. Um, he seemed friendly enough, but it's like, he didn't really do much in the world. Like he talked about how he lived in this apartment for the same 20 years. So it's like, he got to midlife of just taking a, a suitcase full of completely random objects and trying to sell them to people, which I don't know how that works, but it just seems like he was nice. He liked kids, kids liked him and that was it for him. And that's all it was. And very much like if you would ignore him walking by because you didn't want to buy his awesome silk, fake silk tie. You know, and like, yeah. And then death shows up and is like, hey, by the way, you're out the door tonight at midnight. Yeah. So I guess we should touch on the plot a little bit. Um, basically, Lou Bookman is a pitchman, which is uh, essentially a street vendor. Um, he's selling his wares. At that time, it looks like he's selling toys. He's got some really kick-ass robots he's selling. I got a screenshot of that. I want to put it up on our site later because it looks like a Robbie the Robot with an eyeball on it. Like, I, I totally yeah. got one of those. Yeah, I really want one. Me too. Um, <laughs> I want one so bad. So he sees a guy standing on the sidewalk near him, black black suit and everything, smoking a cigarette. Um, he ends up, he closes up his little briefcase table that he has. He goes back, gives all the kids a bunch of toys, which it seems like it would really hurt his profit. Just uh, be giving away all of his, uh, yeah. his toys that he was trying to sell. Yeah, like all the kids are like, Hey, here's candy. Like, yeah, candy. It's like, what are you selling today? He's like, here you go. Here's some wind up robots that back then probably cost. I don't know. What's a really expensive price for something like a quarter. That's probably like, like one, like one fourth of rent or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just like, and he d he wasn't a successful salesman, so like, no. it looked like he hadn't had a sale all day, and then he just goes home and just gives them away to all the kids. Which I feel like that kind of shows you his kindness towards children, but yeah. again, it's like a weird, like, I didn't sell anything, here kids, have some robots. Yeah, still, but I mean, it, it puts him in a really likable position, because you see him, you know, he's just like, all the kids love him, he's the, the kind of heart in the neighborhood, and uh so he goes home, he goes back to his apartment, and uh, he goes in his apartment, 
and the guy from the sidewalk is there in his apartment, his one bedroom apartment. Which I guess studio. did you even see a bedroom in there? I didn't see a bed. I just saw no, I didn't a either. sink. I saw a table full of like. By the way, okay. Side note: What was he working on on that table? Did you see? Like there was like half a, a, a doll baby, some gears, a screwdriver. It feels like he was making some of those misfit toys that you'd see in Toy Story. I don't know what was going on <laughs> on that table. He's I, Sid. <laughs> yeah, I also. I, it's like it's like Sid's great grandfather. I don't know, but uh, I got um. I also got a screenshot of that too. I want to put it up and be like, "What was he working on? I don't know. It was really odd." It's just like I got. I got to finish making this baby doll. Why? So I can give it away. And, and it was really, really weird. Yeah. So, so death is uh, this guy turns out to be death in his apartment. And he tells him, um, "It's your time. You're to go at midnight. Um, there's really nothing you can do about it." The little girl walks in, can't see him, can't see death, and uh, he's really shocked that a kid can't see him. And she leaves, and he's like, "Oh man." So the way he proves that he is, in fact, death to uh, Mr. Bookman is he touches his flower in the window and it dies. Yeah, not only does he do that, he touches the flower and does this. It's like flower touch. And then the flower just dies. <laughs> that's it. Which is a cool effect, though. I, I like the way the flower just kind of curled up. But that's a dick um, move. It's like that flower, like you don't know it's time. Like you're yeah, going to get Mr. Bookman. That flower didn't do anything to you. Yeah, and then he had the whole book on him and everything. Like, where's the book on the flower? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like your parents are flowers as well. What do you know about me? Like, <laughs> but yeah, that was the whole. So, I like that effect too. It was very much Little Shop of Horrors. Like, just like, oh, there goes the flower. Yeah. Um. So he basically tells him that there's only three ways you can get out of. Um. Well, I guess prolong your life. Um. It was that your family. He asked him, do you have family that would suffer beyond a reasonable point? And uh, Lou Bookman says, no. Says, do you have, uh, are you on the verge of a scientific discovery? And that shows the work table that he's working on at that time. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to bring up. I'm like, maybe that doll. Yeah. I mean, that could be a major discovery. You're right. A doll to life. There was some hardcore science going on on that table we don't know about. (laughs) <laughs> and then the third was unfinished business. So I love his excuses for unfinished business. I have one of those. I, this yeah, one, this I one seems. Both of them. I had to write them down. <laughs> this, the, I have the second one that seems mildly racist. I have that one. So the first one was he looked at his table of toys and was like, "I've never been on a helicopter before." It's like, and I should do that. And Death's like, "I don't know. That's not unfinished business." So then he comes up with this one. The, <laughs> it's this one. <laughs> Yes, yes, I have never seen a Zulu war dance. So you'll have to give me a couple of months to let me go over there to that Zulu country. And it, no? That, that Zulu country, oh, that, feels, that feels wrong, you know? Like, there's yeah, another, like, there's another really racist statement. Pushing it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, another kind of questionable racist statement later that I didn't catch about the silk. I left. I let it go, but the, like no, I, got, I, I think I missed that one. <laughs> but yeah, I had to go to that Zulu country to see a Zulu war dance. Um, oh, yeah, that was. Uh, it just shows you the time. Also, you said um, I'm just going to ask you. You said you saw Death smoking a cigarette at the beginning. I didn't see that. Oh, maybe it wasn't. I just I because he kept I chewing a pen that. and opening up his book and writing things in it. Because oh, okay. otherwise. That's what you see I didn't see a single cigarette in this episode. I thought that was highly progressive com- compared to what we saw previously. Yeah, so. I guess. Sorry, I I swore he was smoking a cigarette in the beginning. I 
I was probably wrong. I probably just assumed the pen was a cigarette. <laughs> well, considering that he also died of lung cancer later. Yes, it's safe to assume <laughs> that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh. I thought that was funny. I'm just like, there's no cigarettes in this episode. Way to go, Rod Serling. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to trust you on that. Uh, I, it must have been his pen he was chewing on or something in the yeah, beginning. I, I, I try to. I, I, I like to watch the episode like without any foreknowledge of what's going on. Then I'll go back later to collect notes and everything. So that's like the second time through I kind of pick up on like those small small bits. So the first time, I, you know, you're right. I was expecting death to just be like chain smoking because it's death. And that didn't yeah. happen. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, I only I only watch it once, so you're probably right with that. Um, um, yeah, go so, ahead. <laughs> so then, finally, he gives him the excuse that he's never made a major pitch, which he describes a pitch for the angels, which is where they get the uh, name for the episode, one for the angels. Yeah. Um. So death uh, finally decides that fine you can go make your big pitch and he asks, when can we expect this and he says well i have that too a, maybe in a year or two yeah let's hear yeah, that i have i have that where it's like he explains like i'll get to it mr bugman i have the very odd feeling that you're taking advantage of me oh you have well that's a pity because i am like you don't go taunting death after you beat him in a logic game. I just figure that's just like you know you're like you just keep quiet and then you go about your life. You know that's yeah like just like whew, brush the uh, sweat off your forehead and go about your business. You right? <laughs> like let's not taunt him. Yeah. Um, also, so course, he just teleported course, all over the apartment. What makes you yeah, think a door's going to keep say, him out? Of yeah. course, death can just find him anywhere he goes. It's not like you could just lock death out of your apartment. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, is that one of those death-proof apartments? Well, it's rent-controlled. I don't know if that's the same thing or not, you know. <laughs> so he's he's trying to leave the apartment, puts his hat on, and uh, walks downstairs. And Death's like, well, since, you're, uh, since you won't go, I'm going to have to select an alternate. So this is where I think the... It, it's not really a twist, but this was surprising to me. Uh, the little girl that was in, in his apartment before ends up getting hit by a car. Yeah. And um, I was not expecting that. That that was really I. I don't want to call it a twist because it's not really like a twist twist. Um, but I didn't expect that to happen. How how much fun was it though uh, to see death bounce all over the apartment, and then as he as Mister Bookman's walking out, you see death at like different points of the stairwell, and then there's that shot of him sitting on like the newel post, kind of just like just kind of resigned. He's like, you don't understand, Mr. Bookman. This is what has to happen. I thought that was a really cool choice just to have death kind of just like, all right, I guess we'll go through the motions here, but you you know something bad's going to happen, right? I thought yeah. that was really, really cool. It, it, it kind of shows you how, like, fate is predetermined in this, you know? Yeah. It's, it, there, it plays on that where it's like you have to go through with this in some way or another. <laughs> well, that's why I felt like I, I very much felt like death was uh, Rod Serling. I don't know. And I'm, I, I guess I know I'm reading too much into this because I know I'm sure he would be like, no, that's not what I meant. But it's like later episodes, it's like he's always there at the beginning and end wearing that distinct suit and talking about, like, what happens. And it just felt yeah. very much like if you would switch Mr. Death out for Serling and being like, sure, you can go out, but you know things aren't going to go the way you think they are because I'm Rod Serling and this is how it's going to happen. You know, yeah. like it just felt very much like that. I, I have an interesting take. When we get to the end of the episode, I'm going to have to bring up this take I read um, earlier today. It didn't yeah. cross my mind, and I think it's way too far out of left field for them to even think about it in this time period. But um, 
when we get to the end, I'll bring it up again. Okay, uh, but I, um, uh, but also too with the little girl when she got hit by the car, which she looked fine by the way. But I liked <laughs> it how the light changed and then he just turned. Just to let you know that it happened again, like it was very much like, yeah, I get it. The, the girls, the girl's been hit. Like we know it's about to happen. I thought yeah, that was they funny. really hit hard because then she can see death. You know, yeah. He's like, oh no, you see her, and so that's that's your first main break in the episode. Um, so then we go into the uh, the doctor goes and visits the little, little girl in her house and says that he won't know how she is until midnight, and I think he says uh, she's a very sick little girl I'm yeah like, she got hit by a car she's not sick she caught a case of car hit like car impact <laughs> it really made me laugh because i was like it's like she has a fatal case of studebaker syndrome i don't know what's going on there she was injured she's not sick <laughs> she got hit by a car are you saying that modern medicine wasn't quite advanced back then where it's like i think she got a case of car hit i don't know she may not make it Give her some uh, penicillin. She'll be fine. <laughs> Walk it off. Just rub some dirt in it. You'll be good. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that little girl, she obviously was in her bed with the robot by the clock. I just did this very much like showing that she, I don't know. I, I got the idea. It's like, well, that's the robot that was given to her by him and it, by Bookman, you know, and it's like, and he actually, you could tell that he has a heart where he's like, you know what? I kind of, you know, I screwed with you. Take me now. I let the little girl live and then death's like, no, 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 no. You made your decision, which I thought that was kind of cool that they went that way with it. Yeah. Um, so he decides he's going to sit out front of the house and guard the house from death, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous, but, uh, <laughs> just that sentence. So of course death shows up a quarter to 12. And uh, he lets him know that he always shows up precisely on time to take his victim, if you will. And uh, so he decides the best way to deal with it is to set up his table and to sell ties, threads, and shoelaces. And himself. Like, yeah, did you, yes. Like, what, well, like uh, how much stuff was in his suitcase? And also, like, he had binoculars earlier. He had toy robots. He still had robots later. Like... How much like how much random junk can uh, he also had like uh bombs for athletes foot like all this other stuff too it wouldn't surprise me if he had like opium and cocaine in there too you know like like so, like just some other tonics and things you know it was very weird well he should have tried to sell him so, uh, death some opiates he could probably could have got him to OD or something <laughs> and then uh, another guy shows up in a, a suit and tie being like oh well it's time for death to go like who are you <laughs> I'm death's death like that would have been really weird I'm Mr Death Death. <laughs> um yeah so he tries to sell him uh himself as like a right hand man and uh i i love as he's trying to sell him these things death is so enthralled in what he's selling him <laughs> yes and the facial expressions he makes are just <laughs> ridiculous which this is where this uh review i read i ha- i have to bring this up i was flipping through some other people's reviews and uh somebody said that death, I, I I don't agree with this, but I thought it was an interesting take. Is that death knew that he was going to make a big pitch and went along with it, knowing that he was going to make the big pitch so he would take him anyway instead of the girl. See, so I agree he was with pretending that. to go along with it. I, I agree with that because who else would buy you, a whole paper bag full of ties? And I don't silk, know and though. I feel like that. I feel like that's a little bit too deep for this episode. Like. 
that's that's a lot of subtext going on. Well, there no, I was going to ask you about that because I feel like because there was the whole bit where I I did love the whole look where his hair like he's getting sweaty outside. His hair got disheveled. He's like they were both sweaty. Yeah, he's like I'll take them all. Like I I, I grabbed it also shot too of where he has an arm full of ties and is just talking to Bookman. Like something about that was really like I and I'm sure like credit to these guys it was purposely funny like and I and I'm not trying to say like because there's things now in hindsight that are funnier because times have changed but I'm, yeah. I like but I love the whole like he's a sweater he's like yeah 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 I gotta have it to give it to me give it to me it's like yeah. the idea that like it's never occurred to death to be like you know what I could use a fake silk tie you know I, I like this that whole thing was really really entertaining because at the moment it struck midnight which is a very arbitrary number if you're the grim reaper honestly you know, to be like, oh, you beat me. You know, I guess you did give a pitch. You know, I, I, I like, I really do feel like he put the wheels in motion to give Bookman something enough to fight for because he loved kids to fight for that kid's life. I really think that was. I, I, I agree with that reviewer's take. I do. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just, it, it didn't feel totally on for me. Um, if that was what they're going for, kudos to them because <laughs> that that's pretty awesome for this time period. Um, I I just don't think they were thinking that deep into the performance. Yeah, well, and, um, like, I could be I, off I, no, base, no, though. You I could, could be, be right, totally wrong. But I feel like because it's like it was oddly specific that Death showed up like 15 minutes before, and he knew Bookman was going to be there. Obviously, you yeah. know, and it's like the whole thing is like he, you know, like maybe maybe Bookman saying my pitch what he wants because death couldn't give him a Zulu war dance, which would have been weird. Maybe he's like, you know what? Yeah. I'll put I, this kid. I, I don't want to see that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things out of context, I'm going to play this real quick. Yes. Yes. I've always had quite a fondness for children, you know? Yeah, that's weird anyway, but <laughs> I had to, I had to play that. It's yeah, like, thanks for pulling that one. <laughs> you know, he said that early in the episode and I was like, yeah, that's weird. But he gets to a point. He's such a charming man that you're like, all right, that's fine. That's like, not weird. no, I believe, you know? I believe there's no ill intent with him yeah, handing out sure. candy. But also, he lives by a candy context, store. That sounds terrifying. Did you see there's a candy store right beside where he lived? Like off to the left, there's a, a science's candy store. So no. clearly, you know, he, he knows, he knows his audience. He knows kids. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the fact that like he, it was a kid that he talked to earlier in the episode, felt a connection with and was like, you know, I really would like to give a pitch for the angels or one for the angels, make the skies open up. I think that was enough motivation because I don't know if Bookman, Bookman was clever. I don't know if he was smart and cause you get to be street smart to be able to talk to people, get them to buy things. Yeah. I think, I think death knew that like, if I just put enough in front of him, he'll make the right decision and still feel satisfied with the outcome. I, I so I do, I do agree with, with yeah. uh, that, that notion. Yeah. You're kind of changing my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, uh, for some reason, this episode just, just did not strike me as being much deeper from the surface level. Um, no, and you're right. I mean, I don't think it was very, I don't think it was very deep at all, but I mean, I think that yeah. if the whole thing is predestination and death told him how he was going to go other than the going in your sleep part, which I think he changed on the fly. Um, yeah. like I, I pretty much, he was like, I have a timetable. I have to do this. And if it was enabling him to finish, you know, finish business before he was supposed to go, that's almost, I mean, in the hierarchy of like death HR, I'm sure that's probably a gold star because it's like, not only do you take this guy, you actually got him out on his own terms. 
So good for you, you know, like, which I don't know how yeah. death is very, I don't know how much paperwork is involved if you screw up a timeline, but whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, if he was supposed to go at midnight, then he missed his timeline, though. That's true. I, I, so that now it unravels. I mean, You're right. I hate this episode. No, I'm just, all right. <laughs> now, <laughs> now we're going down the the looper world of uh, time. <laughs> You're going to yeah, start right? having me uh, question every timeline now. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So basically, he ends up, he makes him miss the little girl's timeline. And Death is like, well, you made your big pitch. You made one for the angels. It's your time to go. And I love, uh, he goes back for his briefcase at the end and says, uh, you never know who's going to need something up there. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, St. Peter, do you want a robot? Do you want a really shitty robot? I have one of those for you. It's cool. Yeah, I got tons of ties (laughs) and thread. (laughs) Which, that was the whole thing, too, is that he talked about how oriental birds brought it over a little bit at a time. And it was like, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's not a good thing to say. It was yeah, not right. I feel bad about myself that I didn't uh, catch the Oriental. <laughs> yeah, it was that's, just like, oh. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it was, a little, it was a little rough. Um, yeah, it's, it's of the time, I guess. Well, he wasn't, he, he didn't do anything in Song of the South, did he? Because that would have been like doubly bad if he no, was. No, I like, didn't see that. I, I definitely would have <laughs> caught that if he was in that. Oh, uh, but I, but it's funny because it's just like, ultimately, I did not know how influential he was in terms of his comedy style and his line delivery, like the Mad Hatter. I mean, that's that you remember that. And then also like just all the characters after that, that are loosely based off of him. Like, that's pretty cool. Like just to know that he has a legacy. So that's the big surprising thing about the episode for me. It isn't here. Let's, let's just get to the plot twist meter real quick. I kind of want to use the Mr. Death noise from now on for that instead of that, but whatever. Um, I, I like the horns. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give it a zero out of like five, uh, you know, cigarettes because from the get go, it just, I kind of saw this one coming like whenever it was like a life unfulfilled. Um, and that's okay. Like, that's okay that I didn't, was not surprised by the end, but I was more surprised by the actors like future work. That's what caught me was like yeah. what they did after the episode. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a one out of five. Um, not for the episode, but for the twist. And uh, the one is more so for the fact that they went for the little girl getting hit by the car. Yeah. I, not even for like the twist of him, you know, sacrificing himself to save the little girl. Because that's barely even a twist. No, and, um, and the twist of him just being like an unsuccessful salesman and having that one moment to sell something. You yeah. Know, like I that, mean, that, 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 that doesn't surprise really me. Anything, but I'm, I'm going to give it a one just out of uh i guess uh sympathy <laughs> you're giving um, it one I, I, for the angels right kevin yes one for the angels um i did enjoy the episode though it, it was definitely a charming light-hearted episode compared to some of these have pretty nihilistic endings so oh, no you're right like some some kind of just smacking in the face like i mean like like last week's with where is everybody even though like um he lived that felt like kind of a messed up episode like yeah. just kind of kind of broke his mind right and then then time element obviously ended kind of poorly too so like yeah, yeah it was and nice to we're kind gonna of get to some that are really really dark too so yeah like um, i can't i cannot wait to get to the lonely which is like what episode seven so we're getting there but i cannot yeah. wait to get to that one um so yeah is there anything else that you wanted to throw out about this episode anything interesting weird bizarre i mean this is pretty straightforward yeah, this is uh, not much to talk about this episode. I was watching it kind of struggling to find things to really get into. Um, one thing I was going to bring up, I saw this. Um, have you ever 
seen Seventh Seal, the Bergman film? Uh, no, I've not. I've seen Strawberry no. Spring, which is not the same thing, but I've seen I've seen yeah, Seventh no. Seal. <laughs> well, that movie is a knight who plays chess with death to um, pretty much save his life to go and see his wife. And uh, this kind of had a similar storyline, um, which is interesting because on my other podcast, Radio Violenta, we just covered a Western called Kioma, which is loosely based on Seventh Seal as well. So I'm uh, look at that. All the connections. I know there, there's been a lot. I don't know if Rod Serling really did base this on Seventh Seal, but it does have a lot of similarities. It's really the only other thing I had written down that I wanted to bring up. Do you think Bill and Ted's bogus journey was influenced by this at all with them challenging death? Do you think that's <laughs> no, okay. Not, not, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Anyway, um, it could, I mean, <laughs> the whole challenging death thing and uh, death showing up, you know, in the black suit, it's been, it's been played quite a bit since this episode. That's true. I mean, we, we've kind of like, like, I feel like as we go along here, it's going to be interesting for us to separate ourselves from everything that came after the twilight zone to realize that like kind of identifying what it might have been like like a like an old crap moment you know versus like what we've seen that has been built off of this it's gonna be hard to separate that but it's gonna be interesting yeah um sure. so so yeah anyway you you uh let's we'll just wrap this up here because we've actually been talking longer than the episode existed on on, on broadcast um <laughs> well, i'm, I'm yeah. sure that's gonna happen quite a bit yeah right um uh, so uh you had just you you just mentioned uh radio violenta please check that out i know you guys are going to be doing an anthology episode i think our episode is going to go up after your episode so i don't want to ruin that like and and so but i you know i don't have any future predictions for what you guys are going to talk about but you're going to be talking about horror anthologies that's going yeah, to be we're sweet. covering uh we're covering uh from beyond the grave uh 1974 amicus film which was kind of the uh you know hammer yeah the studio in uh britain um they were kind of their uh competition and uh they did a few really good anthology films but this is my favorite of theirs and uh i'm really excited to talk about it and then we're going to talk about our top 10 favorite anthologies is, is twilight so. zone the movie going to be in there no, that, oh. that's not gonna be on there. Okay, fine. Oh. Um, but but yeah, like I, I think that's also I I think that's an interesting um, like counterpiece to this because we're talking about anthology horror in a, in a way. I mean, it's more short form with all these episodes, but it mm-hmm. all kind of lends itself to these short stories, you know. Like, and I so yeah, please check that out um, at Radio yeah, Violenta. Yeah, yeah, we're on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find us on Facebook at uh, Radio Violenta. Yeah, and then um, I'm going to also throw out my show, Invasion, the podcast that I do um, without Kevin, where uh, we talk about like uh, uh, movies, video games, like books, all that good stuff. I know um, last episode we had an interview with uh, Joe Caroni, who is a big Star Wars artist. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, he he had some fun things to talk about. Like he told some stories that you're just like. I, you know, even if your life is like, um, like maybe you're not like George Lucas level famous, but the fact that you get to go to a barbecue with some star Wars actors, that makes you the coolest person I've ever known in my life, you know? So, <laughs> so I don't want to give away who he went to a barbecue with, but like Joe, my co-host was just like, I'm jealous. And then I started talking about Drew Struzan and, and, and Joe Crowley told a story about that. And I'm like, 
I'm jealous. You know, so it was uh, it was a good interview. So um, Invasion of the Podcast, also on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. Check that out as well. Um, we're also on Facebook. I, I try to post stuff about, like, the episodes. Uh, check us out at Strange Highways on Facebook. We are on uh, – we have a Gmail address. It's Strange Highways Podcast at Gmail. Uh, we're on Twitter, but it's hard to tweet about episodes that are 50 years old. So yeah, just bear <laughs> with us um, there as well. <laughs> yeah, and feel free to uh, write in – uh, talk about episodes that you love. Talk about uh, the episodes we're talking about. Talk about previous episodes we've covered. Um, just let us know what you think, please. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, and then um, so uh, and then also I, I, I smartly wrote down the name of the next episode that we're doing. Um, yeah, I did as well for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, I think you're going to be excited for because it's a western. Oh no, I didn't. I wrote next episode and then never wrote down the title. <laughs> Oh, I could make up anything now. No, uh, oh, no. the next episode is called uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, and it is yeah. a Western. So yeah, we're going to head out West for that, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, this was, this was fun. Um, if you, if you find me in real life, I might sell you a shitty robot and tie. Um, cause I feel like I'm capable of doing that now. Um, and or I might have candy. You don't know. You might see me. I'll be like, have some candy. Cause I'll be, I'll be inspired by Mr. Bookman here. So yeah, also Paul, too, yeah. Paul loves the kids. <laughs> I do. I, <laughs> yes. Yes. I've always had quite a fondness for children. You I know. do. Yeah, it's true. You know, yes. so <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I am a kid lover. I mean, oh, just, you know, sound clip is going to haunt me though. <laughs> Should I keep it? I might keep it. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, but anyway. Uh, you but, still have the sound from the time element? I do. But So, okay. All right. We're about to wrap up this episode. This is going along. I apologize. Quick story. So, for time element, I did have sounds, but we didn't use them. So, there was one bit in time element where uh, the gentleman was on his couch sleeping, on the psychiatrist's couch, and he's like struggling and falling asleep and dreaming about Pearl Harbor. And I found the sound clip, and I keep playing it for Kevin, and it makes him laugh. It's a noise this guy makes. So I've kept it, but it wasn't part of the episode. So here's a little little um, bonus feature. So I'm going to play that right now. And this may show up again sometime in an episode. <laughs> so there's your there's your sound right there. So I keep that, and it makes him laugh every time. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, I hope that shows up every episode. <laughs> it, it might. So, all right, anyway. Um, have a good week, people. If you see Mr. Death, um, don't let him touch any plants. And then come up with a logic problem that he can't escape because that's how you're going to live longer. So Yeah. yeah. Just uh, hope you got a bunch of really cool toy robots to sell him. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> All right. Yep. So so until next time, uh, have, have, a, have a fun week. And uh, we'll see you here next time on Strange Highways. See you guys down the road.